Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today I have on the phone with me, um, Casey, how are you doing today? Doing great. Beautiful day. So Casey Dunn, correct? That is correct. And uh, I can't mess up that last name. I mean, that's, you know, uh, I probably couldn't spell it right, but uh, but I can mess it up. So you're with Denim Blight. Tell us a little bit about you, you uh, Casey. Tell us about you personally. Where'd you grow up? Uh, how'd you end up where sure. you're at today? Sure. I, I grew up in western Kentucky in a city called Hopkinsville. It's kind of close to the Kentucky-Tennessee border near Clarksville, Tennessee, Fort Campbell area. Um, growing up, my grandfather, he developed neighborhoods and built houses and apartments. And my grandmother, she was a real estate, real estate broker um, and realtor. And my mom, she kind of worked in the family business. She managed my grandfather's apartments that he owned and rental houses and rental property. So it was a small family business of sorts. And I started working in the summers for my grandfather when I was 12. I started out weed eating large apartment complexes, picking up trash, picking up cigarette butts, one of my least favorite things to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the next summer, I, I moved to what I call a labor assistant. I was pretty much doing manual labor. I moved uh, house building, um, forming material, uh, two by fours, all the huge stacks of lumbers that are that is in one in front of one house. I would just manually carry it down the street to in front of the other house. Uh, well, that'll would, teach you work ethic. It'll teach you work ethic. So the box culverts that are kind of at in intersections, I would hand dig those out with a shovel and a pick. Now that I know a lot more about construction equipment, a, a, a backhoe would have made easy work of what would take me sometimes a week or two um, to, to hand dig out. But again, teaches your work ethic. Um, so I also did uh, landscaping, wandering sod, and swept out a ton of houses. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many times I've swept out a house. But over the course of the next several summers, there was other uh, construction crews that worked for my grandfather, and they were they would see how I would work in and around them, but not necessarily with them. And they saw I tried hard, and you know they would keep teaching me new things. And then I got a few hand tools, and then you know the next summer I would work and. They, I would help them build privacy fences, and I was young, and they would put me up in the attics to build the attics because they didn't want to climb up there and, and scab all the trusses together and put the plywood down. Then, But they taught me how to – I helped them form sidewalks and installed interior wood trim and just kind of got a taste of, of what it was like to construct something and what I was able to – see a finished product that I had a small, you know, even at that stage, a small role in, you know, you drive by and say, oh, there's the house, there's a person living in it. I, I helped work on that. So, you know, I, I kind of um, enjoyed that. And I did that every summer from when I was 12 until I graduated high school. And kind of at the same time, my mind was somewhat geared towards engineering kinds of things. My uncle was a civil engineer. Um, and that kind of intrigued me a little bit. So I kind of decided I was most likely going to pursue civil engineering in college. So I took heavy math and science classes while in high school. I took, you know, AP calculus, AP physics. I knew I wanted to go to the University of Kentucky from probably the age five because most little boys in the state love Kentucky basketball. And I was Absolutely. one of those. So I, I knew where I was going to go to college at a young age. I just had no idea what 
uh, the future held for me once I got there. But so I kind of narrowed it down. I went to civil engineering uh, school there, and I actually participated in a Kentucky Department of Transportation scholarship. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but which the, which one is there a specific? Yeah, it's a department. Yeah, it's for it's with the the highway department. So they they pay your tuition for the year and in exchange you agree to work for one year mm -hmm. of service for the the state highway department, um, or you pay back the the scholarship. So uh, starting after I graduated high school, I worked for the Kentucky Highway Department for five summers, four summers in construction. So actually out on roadways and bridges and then one summer in traffic. And by my fifth summer, I knew that I liked construction, but I really did not have a passion for highway only work, which is primarily what the Department of Transportations do. So I decided to make a shift and get completely out of anything highway related and something geared more towards vertical construction. Although I didn't really want to get into the residential side of things. So I'd, um, you know, experience with that and knew that wasn't a strong passion either. So with my civil engineering degree, I decided, you know, commercial construction management was sounding good and what I had an interest in pursuing. So when I graduated, I took a job with Denim Blythe Company um, out of the Lexington, Kentucky office. And as a field engineer, got hired in 1999. So I started out working as a field engineer and project so engineer been on, yeah, been, been, uh, Denim Blythe for 23 years. Wow. Uh, so a little bit, um, I went to the, they had just getting ready to start the largest project to date for Denim Blythe. Denim Blythe has since done much larger projects, but it was the largest one to that time. And I was kind of in an entry level position there as a project engineer, but it, it was great experience. I learned a lot in a hurry on some of the big fast paced jobs. You see lots of different components, some of which you may never see again in your career. I've kind of learned over the years. So uh, got some good experience there. I went on to be a, a field superintendent. I think I was 24 at the time. I was a field superintendent on a church edition out of town. And, you know, it was just me. I didn't have a team of people. So I really didn't have a choice except to kind of learn what I was doing. I asked a lot of questions to basically every guy working every trade. You know, hey, you know, why are you using this wire over here and this kind of wire over here? You know, tell me about the different reinforcings in this block. So I, I, I just ask a lot of questions and uh, try to soak up and learn as much as I could. I wanted to be a sponge. Um, so during the early 2000s, Denim Blythe had a unit price contract with the University of Kentucky for small kind of campus and medical center projects. Uh, we had a little satellite office down on UK's campus and um, had a pretty much a self-sustaining small little kind of construction company in of itself with even within the company. So I moved um, to that office and I did est I was an estimator for about three months there and then I moved into being a project manager over the unit price contract um, and also over that little satellite office. Uh, we had uh, I think it was an uh, administrative assistant, an estimator, two or three superintendents, several carpenters that of self-reform work, plus several subcontractor partners that we used on every project. Um, so, you know, kind of grew up fast, got got thrown to some good opportunities where, you know, here's a lot of rope 
here, see what you do with it. Um, I was <laughs> managing anywhere from, right, right exactly. <laughs> I managed anywhere from, I don't know, 10 or 30 projects at a time. And over time, I kind of helped the volume grow to where we needed to add another project manager to assist with the workflow. Uh, I eventually trained that other manager to take over the office so I could um, move out to um, our main Lexington headquarters office where I became a senior project manager. And since then, I've worked, you know, a project managed numerous projects and about 10 years ago came into ownership at a you know, small level of Denna Blythe, and I've been working in a few different capacities since then. Currently, I handle a lot of the internal operations uh, with the company, and I, I do a lot of executive work with Lexington-based project managers uh, as of late. So, a little bit about me. So, I know where uh, I came from. I know that. Uh, well, I have to say, uh, you're you're going you're an anomaly today because somebody's staying with the company for 23 years. That's that's excellent. Um, and uh, probably doesn't happen as much as I wish it happened today. You have any thoughts on that? I agree with you. Um, I, we see the same thing. I guess I'm a little bit shielded to that because most of a lot of the coworkers, Denim Blythe does not have a ton of turnover, especially you know in the management and a lot of the design. There's there's 30 year employees, 35 year employees. I would say the you know the average of you know my coworkers is probably 15 to 20 years. Uh, maybe, maybe more. I mean, there's always some, but yeah. it is an anomaly because we do a lot of interviewing of people and you, you know, you say you see their resume and, you know, it's just, it's not the norm like as much as it used to be. So we, I know a little bit about Denim Blythe personally, and we've had Bill Q on before to, to discuss, but I, I also like to get different people's perspectives. Like, tell us what your perspective on Denim Blythe is. What'd you, why'd you end up coming there? Why'd you end up staying there? What do you, you know, that kind of thing. What is your guys' core focus? Those kind of, uh, of, of questions. Sure. Well, I started out at Denim Blythe because I needed a job, and they offered me one. <laughs> and... You know, there was a little bit of other opportunities, but I really liked and you know the the type of work that they did. And as far as kind of what kept me plugged in, it was really the people. You know, Bill, you may have kind of told you how Denim Blythe got started. It, it got started in the mid '70s in 1976 with two guys, Dale Blythe and Charlie Denham. You know, and they and one guy did the design and one guy kind of did the construction. So it's, it's probably, it was probably even more unique then. Design build is unique now a little bit. It was probably even more unique then back when it was started. Uh, you know, I wasn't even alive when it started. So I don't know how many companies were truly design build, but I would, I would think fewer. Um, so I started, when I started, Charlie Denham had already retired and Dale Blythe was actually one of the men that interviewed me he was the CEO at the time, and I probably had two or three years of working at Denim Blythe before Dale Blythe retired. He was he was getting up in age even when he retires. But I was I'm very thankful for that time. I think he's kind of set a tone of a high integrity, hardworking culture that that got implanted into a lot of the people that are still here and. I feel like it's just a tradition that I hope uh, that continues. So uh, I really, I feel like even though he hasn't worked here in 20 years, and I think Bill Q would say the same thing, Dale Blythe had a, a big influence on us as individuals as well as the company as a whole 
especially if the people that continue to work and pass down some of those traits. You know, Dale, he always treated customers uh, extremely fair, extremely generous. If if he said he was going to do something, he always did what he said he was going to do. Uh, I'll say that Dunblast's work volume, it's probably in the range of 90% repeat customers every year. Wow. And And knowing what I know now, that doesn't just happen by accident. So what's kept me at Dumb Life is really the people and working with good people. It, it's much more pleasurable to go to work when you enjoy the people that you work with. And I've, I've always enjoyed who I work with. So do you have a, you know, I always think it's interesting, like when people say say things like you said about um, about uh, the guy who was the CEO, um, uh, that was Mr. Blythe? Yes, Dale Blythe. Or is that, yeah, Dale Blythe. Do you have any stories, you know, that really impacted you as a young person that you, you, you know, you you remember that kind of stand out to you um, about why why he did what he did and how he's able to push push that culture into the company? You know, I just think he was an honorable man. Um, I remember just overhearing him how he would. Uh, talk to subcontractors and maybe he was having a, they were having a problem and an issue and, and, you know, he, he really wanted to work with them, not just shove something, you know, down their throat that was going to be extremely one-sided. Uh, he was, he was a pretty funny guy. He had a, a Lincoln town car and he would drive it pretty fast. And he said his car passed everything on the road except a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> But at one thing, he was very personable, and mm-hmm. what what reminded me of that, that car story was he would go and visit customers even if he didn't have a project to go on with them. And I think the personal aspect, you know, everybody's human, and you know we're designed to be in relation with others. And I think he really got that from a business standpoint, and he enjoyed meeting with customers and his subcontractors and his employees. And that that did that has really stuck with me. Well, that's great. That's great. So, what does what does it look? What does the future look like for Denim Blythe? The future for Denim Blythe. Well, you know, construction, as you know, is is an interesting thing because you think you know what the future is, and it and it changes mm-hmm. rather rapidly. You know, we'll hire a we'll hire a, a new graduate, and they're going to start in six months, and they'll say, "Oh, where am I going to?" Where am I going to be when I when I start? And I, and I say, you know, I've been here twenty something years, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be doing next month, but <laughs> I know about what I'm going to be doing next month. So the future, you know, exactly what it's going to look like, I, of course, don't know. But many great, and wonderful things. I'm hoping we've we've really tried to to position ourselves such that we can grow. We like to grow kind of an organic way we don't not just uh, we've we've kind of grown a little bit um, over the years in an organic way and we see a lot of of wisdom in that don't want to grow for the sake of growing because that's not always profitable and you might not always be able to handle what comes your way Um, so the future of the company i feel is is really bright Um, one of the things that i really have a passion for is is the employees that we hire you know, we started, I don't know, a few years ago with an intern 
um, kind of program, which it's not a not a novel concept, but we we made it very intentional to where we would you know seek out young uh, college students in the, in the industry and and get them plugged in because I, I really have a passion to hire the you know Coach Cal for his basketball team. He wants to hire or he wants to recruit the the fastest, tallest highest jumping, best three-point shooting, best teammates, you know, least uh, selfish people he can. And I've kind of, I think about that as well. When we hire, you know, college graduates who want to get in this business, we want to hire the hardest working, highest ethics, most personable people that we can, because I think that's the future of our company is, is those individuals. We want to add team members, project managers, engineers to our staff, even if they're experienced, but that have heart, that work hard and they, they uh, have a desire to, to grow and make others around them better. So I think if we can continue to invest in, in those kind of decisions, the, the future of our company is, is very bright wherever that takes us. If it's growing within Lexington, if it's starting new offices, which we've, We've started three since since my um, since I've been here. Mm-hmm. One in Louisville, one in um, Greenville, South Carolina, and one in Nashville, Tennessee. So who knows? It, we may grow those more. We may uh, offer up uh, another opportunity for a different city. I think it's uh, pretty wide open. Well, you know, you guys get it, and that is that. We're not in the building business. We're in the people business, ultimately. That's exactly right. We're only as good as our people are. And uh, so talk to us a little bit about what, you know, significant events that Denim Blythe has, has you know, gone through that kind of have shaped the culture. You mentioned one of them about, you know, just this, you know, the, you know, the top guy, you know, showing, you know, showing his values and the way that he conducts business. Can you talk about like 2008 was a big one for me because I started my business up in 2008 and uh, you know, that recession, the great recession actually helped me because it allowed me to focus. Do you guys have any other, you know um, I'm sure COVID affected you guys like everybody, everybody else. Uh, COVID did, um, you know, but we were pretty fortunate that, you know, construction was deemed an essential business, and the, the the people that the clients and customers we had lined up to do projects for, they pretty well stayed on track, and we didn't lose a ton of momentum. I, I realized that we're pretty blessed to be located and have the customers that we did because you know if you were in a different part of the country with a certain type of business, I know a lot of that came to a halt because that construction was not necessarily deemed essential or that owner you know their financial situation changed so we i feel like we maintained or maybe even grew and that same thing happened to us in 2008 i feel like we were very fortunate we had a a project a fairly large substantial project going that kind of carried us through that and i want to say we actually our volume may have grown just a a slight bit which is contrary uh, you know I don't know that that would, if the economy was to turn, you know, next year would, would, would that, would we grow again? I, I don't know, but you know, there, it, it helps to have a diverse business model, which I feel like we do. 
and I think that is going to hopefully only be to our advantage when when situations like that happen. Well, it's interesting in your career. I'm thinking back since you said '99 is when you started, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah so, first 2000. I mean, you you've seen 9/11 occur and all the economic things around that. You've seen what happened in the Great Recession. You've seen COVID. You had a chance to see a lot of different uh, different things in your in, in in your time from a perspective of one company. So um, it's uh, it kind of goes back to what you said before. You know, when you do a good job, really, that's all the business development you need to do. You get to that point is just doing a good job. You know, um, but. Uh, so uh, let's talk about you've been you've been so you said you've been in, in the construction business for about twenty five years. Uh, twenty three, yes. Twenty three, okay. Uh, tell tell us what you what skills and ability you believe have really helped you in the business. Yeah, that's a good question. Some days I I wonder the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like in this line of work especially at kind of what, what I do. And even in, as you get in the executive level, uh, you have to be able to multitask because there's a lot of different irons in the fire and different kind of fires as well. Uh, you have to be able to relate to people because, um, you know, you have to deal with all different types of people. You, you may have a, a business owner, subcontractor, you know, guys in the field, uh, your laborers, carpenters, insurance people, account accountants, so you have to be able to be a little bit well-rounded of sorts. Uh, one thing that I feel like that's come a little bit naturally to me is I'm able to kind of visualize what a building or project or a stage of project is supposed to look like. So if I know these trades have been on this project for, for two weeks and I know what the project is, when I show up there after having not been there for two weeks, I know in my head what I should see complete. Mm -hmm. And likewise, lots of times I feel like I can kind of see down the road for, okay, this person is new or they're newer. Here's their capabilities now based on kind of what I've seen in the past. I feel like here's a good indication of what they could do in the future in one year or what they could turn into in one year, two years, five years, ten years. Um, I feel like I kind of one of the things that we have to do is – because so we do have a, a wide variety of personalities that work for us, and we have a wide variety of customers. So when we when we put a project team together, try to mesh a person's skill set with the project, with the customer, um, the best we can. You know, it's it's not always perfect, but I feel like um, I'm able to help out with that. Um, and also the financial uh, piece of the business that seems to come somewhat natural to me too. I'm able to navigate the financial aspect of the business, um, which is is a large part of it as well. If you had to list five things that make Denim Blythe successful, what would you say those five things were? So five things. Um, I would say the desire to please the customer. You know, we, we really do value the the relationship and we're not gonna we don't want to lose a customer or a friendship or a relationship over over a small amount of money mm -hmm. and same thing with with subcontractors because we we value 
really in construction, you have so many different people that you rely on. You rely on your accounting team. What Dental Life has a great accounting team. You rely on your subcontractors. Of course, you rely on your owners to to give you business. So I think the, the a strong relationship piece is is good. I think knowing the subject matter mm-hmm. is is critical too. It's hard to you know you there is a technical piece to it. It's not you know just being a friendly person you you have to know your subject matter and and work hard at learning it and we have a lot of, of folks that 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 do that we have a lot of very experienced people on our in our company that have seen all different facets of different kinds of projects um, I, I just think being diligent and working hard is part of it you know a, a new Hire, you know, sometimes we'll ask, you know, what do you expect of me? I, I really, there's really only a couple of things is, you know, work hard and have a good work ethic and be able to, to learn because we can teach you what you need to know. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are a couple of things that I think have helped Denim Blythe to uh, grow and be successful. So if you had to go back to 18-year-old Casey and give him advice, which I love this question, you know, both personally and professionally, what piece of advice would you give to 18-year-old Casey Dunn? Uh, run from construction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think what I want my kids to, to follow in the construction footsteps, and some days it's yes and some days of Boy, it's hard work. It's it's really hard work. Um, you know, I will I will say uh, personally, I would I would I would think that I would want to get more experience at an earlier age in what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of short term, but you don't know. Sometimes you try stuff to know that you don't like it as much as you do to like it. So uh, I don't really. Um, I don't really regret having not worked for other companies because after working in the design build model, it's got, it would be hard for me not to, because when there's a problem in the construction side of things, and you know, if I'm in the field or a superintendent can take a picture and text it to a coworker that designed it, and you get an answer within you know two minutes, that's really hard to to beat mm-hmm. that, that model. So I, I certainly don't have any um, regrets for that, but I would say, you know, working in construction, there's there's a lot of hours. Uh, if anything, would be some wisdom would be to try to figure out how to balance um, a little bit more time at home. Uh, when I was early on in my career, you know, I, I thought, you know, I just got to work harder, 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 and then I finally they finally clicked, you know. There, there's probably other ways to to not have to work 12 to 14 hours a day and and be able to to not lose out on that so that took me a little more time to to realize than i would have liked but it finally did click still have to work hard but um work smart know, too work smart too work yes. especially with because i got married fairly early i was 21 and we have four children of uh ranging ages from seven to 16. So, you know, I want to invest a lot in them as well. 
Well, uh, you're a brave man. I have four kids too, and uh, <laughs> either it's either stupidity or very brave, you know. So I mean, do you have boys or girls? I have three boys and one girl. Yeah, they're a blessing. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, well, it's, uh, no, they, they and, really are. I mean, fun and hard at the same time. Out. Yes, so. my, but my wife. I always tell people as hard as I work, my wife works way harder than I do, and I wouldn't trade jobs with her. For anything. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no joke. So your oldest, you said, is sixteen. Sixteen. Yes, he is. Wow, wow. So you're you're on the precipice of a whole different portion of life, you know. But uh, well, uh, definitely good thoughts. So we're gonna go on to the speed round. The speed round has eight categories. You rate it from one to ten. One being the least important, ten being the most important, and they can all be tens if you'd like. And it and of course uh, we'd like to have your commentary after each category to say why you said a number was. So the first category, of course, is scheduling, and you would say something like it's a nine and I believe it's a nine because I sell scheduling as part of my services <laughs> you know, so. right <laughs> so okay. uh, with that with that we'll start with scheduling scheduling I would say 10 you know a project without good scheduling is is mass chaos and no one affiliated with with that project enjoys it the the subs working on site the guys working on site the owner you know, when something is out of control, no one, no one really enjoys that. A good schedule that's consistently updated, and you know, while it's sometimes maybe unpleasant to meet some of the deadlines, especially when unforeseen circumstances happen, you know, it's still a far better option than poor scheduling or loose scheduling. Good, good commentary there. Uh, estimating. Estimating, I would say that's a 10 also. You know, I'm a firm believer in getting good and detailed estimates for every project, regardless of the size. You know, the owner, they don't like a surprised cost overrun, and a construction company certainly doesn't like losing money. That's no fun. Now, the next two categories, one is contract, that's the actual paper contract, and the second part of it is contract administration, the execution of that contract. Gotcha. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent certain on the difference, but I personally have gotten to where I handle a lot of our contracts and administration of them. So I would. I would definitely say ten. And you don't need it to be a ten until there's a problem. Uh-huh. It's easy to be lax on the contract side of things when things are going well. You know, you hire. Hire a sub, um, you know, we'll get the contract to you later. But the first time a sub goes bankrupt or fails or there's some type of insurance claim, a thoroughly completed contract is worth every bit of the effort. And you just don't know when it's going to happen. So you have to be thorough with everything every time. Design. Design, I would I would also... Um, that, I would say that's a ten. Also, you know, we're that's a that's a huge component to our our business. While the 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 volume of our company is always usually ninety five percent construction, the design is a huge a huge part and arm of of our team. You know, the the construction team they need to know what they're installing and building. The owners they need to understand what their finished product is going to be. There's 
it's not fun to have an owner saying, well, I had no idea that this was what it's going to be. Well, good design can help portray them to see exactly what they're going to be getting. Um, other yeah. trades, they need to say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, what's interesting is he, here you talk from a design build perspective and from a perspective of working with the owner and not against them, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, well, I mean, that's your model and how important you put it compared to like some of the hard bid people. <laughs> Cause they, right. Because they, they construct that risk, you know? It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, as they say, when design build, there's only one neck to choke, and and that's that's us. Doesn't matter if it's on the construction, the design side. So it, it's very important, you know. And and being on a job site and being around the electricians and the pipe fitters and the framers, you know, those guys that are physically installing the work, they like direction. They need direction. You know, that they don't want to just have half half-baked drawings because they don't understand what they need to do and they don't like being confused. So the des good design drawings provide that for them. Uh, next category is accounting. Accounting. I would also say 10. Um, you know, with, with, I don't know if we do 400, 500 projects a year ranging of all sizes from $10,000 to $200 million. Um, accounting is extremely important. You know, with you have multiple owners, you have different subs. Sometimes you have the same subs on different projects. You know, employees they want to get paid and make sure that their paycheck is correct. Of course, as owners, we want to make sure the taxes are, pay, are paid correctly. Um, you know, so accounting is a very critical and crucial piece. You know, we ran into companies and subs who don't keep their projects separated. So, and they've ran out of money on my project because they were taking payments from our projects and applying them to other projects, paying paying off bills that aren't even affiliated with my project, which that'll get you in trouble uh, every time. And, and you are definitely, definitely crazy when you get into lien rights, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, and so, you know, keeping, keeping the lien affidavit signed is highly important and our team does a great job at that. And you also need to keep an accurate pulse. On if all the hard work everyone is putting in is profitable at the end of the day, and we're able to pay all the overhead and the bills. And if it's not able to, well, we need to implement some kind of change to remedy that situation. You don't want to be two years down the road and, you know, it, the the music, the cash flows and the music stops. And, you know, then that leads to not good things and people go out of business. So we, we like to be way ahead of it and hopefully never get to that point. Next category is business development. Um, I would say 10 with an asterisk because given the past two years, uh, you know, there's a little bit more work out there a lot of times than a lot of what can be handled. I know that's not true across the board, but I know when we're getting uh, subcontractor pricing, uh, we hear, we're still hearing, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm too busy. I couldn't do it if I wanted to. So, you know, business development, it's not been a crucial crucial piece as of late, but it certainly is an important part of being successful overall. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting how, how the market changed and how it affects that business development so significantly, you know. Absolutely. In, in one year, it may look, you know, 180 degrees different than it does now. And last category is leadership. 
Uh, leadership, I would say that's a, a 10 also. You know, a good leadership, they can they can help a company grow and they can keep good employees engaged. And I think bad leadership can do just the opposite. As I mentioned before, a company is only as good as its people. And most of the time, good people prefer being part of a, an organization with good leadership. Well, I want to thank you, Casey, for being on today. Um, you gave us a lot of good uh, things to think about and a lot of good things. I've known I've known Denim Blythe for quite some time, and I've always been – actually, I first ran Denim Blythe out at Corning, um, and you guys have been out there for quite some time. Um, I don't know if you have an ongoing job there or, or how that works. We do. Yeah, we've I, – I can't remember the last time that we weren't working there, but, yeah, they've been a, a very faithful, um, good – client for a lot of years but i i just you know obviously you guys are doing something right um uh you're in business and i heard i hear a lot of good things and that's a that's not an easy thing to say with everything you guys been through over the years um just just in the world in general so as i do with all my um guests i give them the last word no i i thank you for uh, having me on and the time and you know i've got a lot to learn uh, in this business, but appreciate every opportunity I've had and hopefully um, can just keep making a small impact little by little. Great comments, great podcast. Join us next week for another session of Connects. Mm-hmm.